Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new chapter of That's What Bee Said. We are on episode one, and I am your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Miss Mollis has been reactivated from the COVID reserve list. Yeah. Brittany Mollis, I wish we how are you applause. doing? We need an applause button. We can just hit it <laughs> every time. Just applause. Go. Uh, I'll insert it later. <laughs> I'm also joined by Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. Hello, Meredith. Hello. Happy Victory Monday, ladies. The it's Cleveland Browns Monday. are nine and three. Nine and three. Nine and three. I mean, do we need a moment to process the weight of that statement? I know. So it's funny. Last week, I said that the Browns were mathematically eliminated from having a losing season, but they still could have gone 500. Now they're truly eliminated. <laughs> from a losing season because no matter what they're going to end the season over 500 which is just I think that in and of itself needs to be given some credit you know because that was that was something that we expected with Freddie Kitchens and that never happened and Kevin Stefanski just came in like a bull in a china shop and is bringing this team and elevating this team so much like just no matter what happens for the rest of the season, I just, I, this is a successful season. That's it. Like, yeah. That's all like that. That's a fact is that we, this is a successful season. We are going to get into all of that. But first I have to explain because I said this was episode one. If you've been listeners of us for over a year, you know that it's not really episode one, but we are absolutely thrilled that this show we've worked so hard on the past year, we have a new home. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank Fansided for believing in us and taking us on in their podcast network. If you haven't yet, please be sure to follow them on Twitter and check out their top-notch sports content. Uh, we started off as fans of their work that they produce, and we can't stress enough how happy we are to now be part of their incredible team. Yes. So thank you guys all for following us on this incredible journey. We can't wait to see what is next. So new chapter, episode one, starting fresh. Season two. Here we Season are. Season two. Season two. Um, that's what B said. See, this is right. why we need a pause button. This is worthy of applause again. <laughs> we're, we're only like four minutes in and we needed it twice. <laughs> uh, the other thing that we need the applause button for is a, a few weeks ago, we kicked off a fundraiser for the Providence House in Cleveland, um, an amazing charity in the area that helps families and at-risk children. And we asked for our listeners to donate money if they were able or donate gifts and y'all pulled through oh um we ended up raising over twenty six hundred dollars for them um and tonight i was able to purchase all of the gifts from amazon including supplies that are much needed for them and their families um, and i just have to say man this is why cleveland and the people of cleveland are just the best i mean sports aside you guys are all amazing, and we are so thankful. And we know that the Providence House is so gracious for all of the stuff that you guys have donated um, and done. So thank you all so much for that as well. Yes, huge yes. thanks. Yes, yes. I texted um, my boyfriend today. I was like, imagine all the parents who now get to buy their kids gifts because of this. Just because we we reached out and we said, hey – you know, can you pitch in? Can anyone help? And they did. Like they showed up, and now these kids are going to get gifts for Christmas. Like I, can't I have chills. Smiling at that, it just I have chills. It makes me so happy. I have a little tear in my eye, guys. 
Yeah, so we're going to be raffling off a few like little small um, thank yous for a few people that that were able to chip in and help out. So I have to organize that over the weekend. So stay tuned for that. I'll, I'll be announcing by the names of the people. I don't have everyone's Twitter handle. So be on the lookout for that. Um, so it's been a great Monday. We need to talk about our nine and three Cleveland Browns. Oh, my gosh. Oh, guys, let's, let's talk about it. It's I'm so kind of out of breath because I've been running so many victory laps today. <laughs> I don't even know how I could stand right now, guys. I'm, I'm still a, floating. And then I come game. down. Then the Pittsburgh game. Yes. We should really just start talking about that. Yeah, let's I'm actually still agree. on let's, an emotional high from it. Let's start there. Um, I've been floating for a, a full on t- over 24 hours and that <sighs> Pittsburgh game just kept me up in the air. Oh my um, gosh. The Steelers are no longer perfect. And that, I didn't realize how happy that would make me. They, oh, lost, I they lost to a four and seven football team. The they football team was to Alex way. Smith. <laughs> Alex Smith, who was literally like hemorrhaging from his leg at halftime, he threw 46 times. Alex Smith, I don't think we're grasping the weight of that. I'm Alex like, Smith honestly, went to Pittsburgh through 46 times and beat the 11 and 0 Steelers. Like I this mean, victory Monday could not have been any better than it was today. I legit That's thought it. that Alex Smith's career was over in 2018 because his, yes. his leg was literally shattered. He broke yes. like 17 bones or something ridiculous like that or 17 surgeries. I don't know. It was something crazy and I just felt so bad for him because he's such a good guy and such a dynamic player. So I legitimately yes. thought that his career was over in 2018, and now he is back. And uh, my my fellow hokey Logan Thomas got a receiving touchdown. Like I just, it was, it was really nice to watch a game for the Washington Football Team and legitimately cheer and be emotionally invested. Because I mean, I've talked about it with you guys before. It has been a while since I've been able to watch the Washington football team and legitimately want them to win and be emotionally invested in them. And like, so for me, it's like a double win because it's a Steelers loss and it's my hometown football team doing it. Like they're, they're the ones who stuck the dagger in. I haven't wanted to see Washington win this badly since Clinton Portis was there. (laughs) Clinton Portis. He was Uh, my favorite player when I was little. I loved him. Oh, me too. With all those costumes. Oh my god. I could Okay, we're going to get off track because I could talk about him for like hours. <laughs> I'm so just yeah. very happy that the Steelers lost in this type of way, honestly, because their schedule, the games that they've played, the teams that they've had to play against and the teams they won against have been honestly less than impressive. And you haven't heard any type of talk about that and the teams that they have had to play. This was fantastic because it just kind of goes to show you that they're not all that special. And yeah, they've won against the teams that were in front of them, but so have the Browns. And the Browns didn't get that type of pass at all. So to have the Browns win against a team that was legit and have the Steelers lose to a team to break their undefeated record that wasn't legit is just icing on the cake for me. Isn't it? I have a question for you guys. Now, I know we've all... Before tonight, we've realized that the Pittsburgh Steelers were frauds. But do you remember the specific moment that you realized that the Pittsburgh Steelers were actually frauds? 
You talking this year? Yes. Oh, that's I remember tough. mine. That's I, I remember mine. Specific- oh. I was go ahead, Brittany. Well, I, I remember think about like this. everything about it. I was at uh, Danny's house and we were in the kitchen and I was we were eating wings, and the Pittsburgh Steelers were struggling to beat the Eagles. Yes. And I was like, this team really isn't gonna do well. They can't. They're not built for it. They're not gonna go all the way. All these things just like started rushing into my brain, and I'm like, the Pittsburgh Steelers are frauds. This is going to go downhill at some point, and voila, guys, here Best we are. time. Here on we a mon- are on a Monday night on such a big stage, right? Yeah, on a random like during dinner time. Yeah, the world <laughs> got to see the Pittsburgh Steelers blow it. I know. Is it crazy that I like the game? Like, I kind of wish that Monday Night Football started at five o'clock every week. Because the game yeah. the game ended by like eight thirty, so you can you know maybe this makes me old, which I am. Go to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> like it's so hard to stay up until one o'clock in the morning watching football games sometimes. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I would also say, Brittany, that yes, the Eagles game against the Steelers was was not good. Was not a good look for them. Um, yeah. You could also say that them playing the second and third string Ravens team that was wrecked by COVID. They they also did not look good last week. Um, so it wasn't really surprising the way that they came out against Washington, who has a, a pretty solid defense. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this gives me a lot of hope, honestly, um, for the Browns and, and then facing both the Ravens and the Steelers in the upcoming weeks. I think the yeah, Browns, the Browns are on the, they're on the uptick. Like they're exactly where you want them to be right now. Yes, they're getting better. They're getting stronger every week. And Pittsburgh is not. I mean, all hate aside, I'm, this is just me being a logical fan now, which I can do sometimes, guys. Um, but they are, they're, they're steadily going down. And they have, I think, Buffalo, Cincinnati, um, Cleveland. And, and the, um, the Colts. Colts so and someone asked they're like you know how many losses do you think they're they're gonna end up with and I said looking at them right now and looking at the rest of the schedule the opponents I think maybe the only other one that they'd win if I had to guess right now I'd say they beat the Bengals I think they're gonna lose the other three it's very possible and here's the other thing they're they're obviously in a race with the Chiefs um for the bye right so I was yeah. thinking, you know, going into this week that the Steelers were going to be sitting their starters against our game, the final game of the season. Yeah. And they may very well be playing their starters against us because it might mean something for them and for us, quite frankly. Like this, what if we win this the could be the deciding factor of the AFC North. If the Browns yeah, went out that- and the Steelers do not, like, I mean, I'm talking like the Steelers have to lose like every game, which is possible. It's not undoable. I mean, they're just not a very good team. So if that happens, guys, if it happens, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns could win the division. What are a we, comeback that would be. Are we allowed Let's to do be it. insufferable if that happens? Because if you look at the rest of the I already team, am. Have, yeah, have <laughs> you looked at our Twitter? <laughs> We're beyond that. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been on Twitter less lately, but I mean if you look at the Browns schedule, the rest of the the rest of the season is winnable for the Browns. Sure. They they cannot take any week for granted because I think if they slip up in any way, shape, or form, they're going to lose because that was sort of, and we'll get into it later in the podcast, but that's a little bit of what happened in the second half against the Titans. 
So I don't think they can underestimate any team they have left on the schedule. However, every team left is beatable for the Browns. And that is, that's exciting. And it's funny because when things like this have been said in the past few seasons, when, you know, especially in 2017, oh, this is a, this is a winnable week for the Browns. The Browns, this is a winnable, and then they go 0-16. Like it was one of those things where we're trying to speak it into existence, but we didn't actually believe it. Like, this is something that I legitimately believe, that the Browns do have the potential to win out the rest of the season. Yes. There we go. We need to check on our predictions at some point. Yeah. Because oh, and I, I think you have. Like, okay, let's get it. Let's. I'm not sure which ones I had them losing. I know the Steelers and Ravens once, and then was it someone else? Well, I think it was Tennessee that I had them losing to. Oh, we'll have to pull Maybe. that back out. I know yeah. my notebook's in the other room. Well, we'll do it next week. No, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have time. We have time. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the game yesterday because it was really a tale of two halves. And we're going to focus on the positive because it might have been the most exceptional play we've ever seen from the Cleveland Browns. And that all starts with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, just to go over his stats, he had 133.7 passer rating. Um, and six touchdowns in the past two weeks. Uh, he went four of five on deep passes on Sunday, nine of 13 in the last three weeks. Um, and right now he is the only active quarterback who has not thrown an, intercept, an interception over his last 150 attempts. I believe it was him and Deshaun Watson and Deshaun threw one yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday specifically, Baker went 20 of 25 for 290 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. Guys, that's a full day of work for a lot of quarterbacks. Yes. Also, that hasn't happened since Otto Graham. Yeah, wasn't yesterday Otto Graham's birthday too? Was it? I think it was. How perfect. It's just a movie. Just a Disney plot right there. Remember last week when the announcers couldn't tell us enough that Baker Mayfield <laughs> had not thrown a touchdown pass since Cincinnati? Yes. They Confirmed. could not. I think they said it like 30 times in that game. Yes. All right, you guys. Now I just Googled are. it. Uh, Otto Graham, born December 6, 1921. So, yes, yesterday was his birthday. It was perfect. Happy the, birthday. The stars aligned. There we go. Okay. So, Brittany, I'm going to start with you specifically on Baker Mayfield because the haters were quiet yesterday. I need you to talk about what you saw from Baker. So, for the first time this whole season, I think they finally shut the hell up. Because this is the first time, you know, we the Browns looked very good against the first half in Dallas. Like, that, they looked really good. At that point, I was like, this is the best I've seen this offense look. Yesterday, and I know we're going to get into talking about Kevin Stefanski, so I'm not going to dive into it right now. But that first half, the, they, they outplayed them. They outcoached them. They did – this was the offense that you were waiting to see all year. Like, this – they always had the tools – they always had the talent, and it was all about getting it together. And that starts with Baker. So when you have him, and he's on, and he's confident, and he's ready to go, that's who he was yesterday. That's when he's best. And I, it got to a point where I think after the, the third touchdown, maybe, where I was just laughing out loud. I was like, how is this real? How is this? How? How? Because, you know, we've been through so much, especially with Baker Mayfield. We saw like glimpses of, of, 
you know, some sort of greatness in 2018 where he had his moments where you're like, yes, this is the future. And then you had, you know, it's it's been like peaks and valleys with him. And for this entire year, it didn't matter what he did. You know, there were always people doubting him and still saying, well, he's not the future. Yeah, let's, you know, get Matt Stafford. Let's try to draft it. Let's start over. And this was a real conversation that fans were having every week. Nobody wanted to believe in Baker Mayfield. Well, not nobody. We did. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't, like, I was just glowing. And it didn't matter what happened in the second half for me. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm putting this on pause. I'm not going to get worked up for the second half. Even, like, at halftime, I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this to myself. I enjoyed what I saw so much in the first half that nothing was going to kill that for me. So, Baker Mayfield finally shut everyone up. He did so much more than manage the game. He was a very active participant in the offense. (laughs) Which you, I mean, God, for you you know, he was active in the offense. Well, he was. He was the leader that they needed yesterday, and they they won a big game versus a good team. And man, that just that felt really good. Yes, yes, they did. I have to say, I was basking in yes. the Baker Mayfield glory yesterday. Um, and there are a couple of things that I've noticed about his play that I want to talk about that um, I don't think it's talked about enough. And one of them is his play action fakes. He sells them. Um, If you watch him closely, there are typically always two to three defenders that will bite based on Baker's fakes alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of respect for our run game, so that definitely helps that piece of it. But I remember going back to last year, he was so sloppy in the play fakes. No one was buying them. Um, And the DPJ pass, the long touchdown pass, jumps out to me because he sells the handoff hard. And I think he even switches hands you will see the defenders going the way that Baker is selling them. And then it just opens up everything. Even the cameraman sometimes gets faked out by Baker Mayfield and where the ball is. Um, The second piece is his hard snap counts. Um, Baker Mayfield has utilized this to his advantage and the Lions' advantage. He, in the last five games, he's gotten the team to jump 11 times, which is something that he also didn't used to do. Um, And then the other thing, obviously, is just the pass game overall opening up for him. Um, We know that we're a run first football team, and that's great. But it's really good to be multidimensional. If you look at the Steelers, the the team that just played tonight, they don't have a dominant run game. They have a passing game. That's it. I love the fact that we don't have to rely on the run and that we can be good at both. Baker has been great when his line protects him and there isn't a ton of pressure. So if he has time to throw, he'll make the throws. He also had great weather. So I'm really, really excited to see Baker's performance against the Ravens this upcoming Monday. That's going to be a good one. So good. And one of the fun things about the rest of the season is you can tell that the Titans schemed for a run game. Like they stuffed the line of scrimmage on every single play because I think they expected the Browns to be run only. But then, you know, Baker, who takes pride in his accuracy, and that's what he was known for in college, and that's what he showed in 2018, is just he is so accurate. And that showed in the game against the Titans. Like, he just 
he was hitting his marks every single time. Like, you know, DPJ was obviously forgiven, but in the first quarter, you know, he he dropped a ball that hit him right in the chest. I think Jarvis Landry may have dropped a pass too. So there were a lot of points where Baker was hitting his mark, but it just, you know, the receiver wasn't able to hang on to the ball. But he is just, he was so accurate. And that I that's all I can harp on for it. And I think what makes that fun is now... There, we now the Browns now have this tape on them of this strong run game and a strong pass game, and so it's going to make it that much harder for defenses to scheme against the Browns because now they have to prepare for both because it was obvious the Titans only prepared for one. Yes. Another thing that I don't think people talk about enough with Baker is, you know, we talk about him maturing. And yep. something that I've noticed a lot this season is that he knows when to get rid of the ball. He yes. doesn't, you know... When he sees that it's dead, he, there's nowhere to go. He doesn't mind throwing it out now, which is something that he struggled with before. But then you know, the refs want to call of the intentional process. grounding. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time, oh, what Baker threw and it was okay, int- All right. intentional grounding. Yes. Every time. Yes. Sorry, I didn't but mean no, to interrupt like I just, you. But... I am, that's one of the things that, one of the little things that you look for in the growth of your quarterback is knowing when to say when. And say, okay, I'm not going to take the sack. I'm not going to lose the yard. I'm just going to throw it out. And yeah, it's a small, it's a little baby step, but it's an important one. And we've seen him do that a lot more this year. And you know, I'm just I'm very happy about that. I'm and very, he's I'm having so fun. Proud. Yes, he was having so much fun yesterday. Oh. I mean, everyone was. But also, we need to talk about how many weapons he used yesterday. So many. Yes. <gasps> My God, I think there was. I think he threw like nine different people all like in the first half. Which is just, oh my God, you just open up the whole field. You know, I saw him uh, fool people with his looks yesterday. You remember, remember last year when he was just like, and even parts of this year, he would just, you know, stare whoever he was throwing to, right? Stare him down and give it away. Like he yes. looks away now. He looks around the field. It looks like his vision's gotten better. Like so many things that you could be so proud of him for. And we are. Hello. We've always we were proud when he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baker looks comfortable to your point, Brittany. He looks like he has a handle on this offense and things are starting to click. Listen, I will take clicking 12 games into the season right now. This is when you want to click. This is exactly the right time for things to come together. It is not too late. I can't even believe that we were sitting back in week five, week six, when we lost a football game and it was sheer panic on, we have to move on from Baker Mayfield. Can you, I mean, guys, that was like two months ago. Two months ago. We lasted an entire season with Freddie Kitchens. Oh my <sighs> God, I can't. This, like sometimes I love, I love Browns fans, but I also like hate them. They, oh my God. There are times where like, they are so quick to just, start punching the panic button and it's like guys can you please just give it some time please they have this mindset you gotta start over gotta start this isn't working i want everyone to now take a breath and just enjoy this one week because we had a really good half yesterday and you know it wasn't a really great game start to finish but they did so much in the first half that you could just be happy that the cleveland browns are nine and three well, okay, so here's a question, because uh, you guys have a better pulse on Brown's Twitter than I do. Do you think people are legitimately happy at 9-3, and three, or are there people who are still negative about the team being okay. 
over 500 and guaranteed finishing the season over 500. So it's interesting because (laughs) the nine and three is great and people are happy. However, this also brings out the people that just start picking things apart. And I think yesterday's game was a prime example of because the second half was not a continuation of what the first half was. There are people that are still in full on panic mode because of the second half. And I want to talk to you guys about the second half specifically because, I mean, the first half was just, it was art, you guys. And Kevin Stefanski was Bob Ross doing a painting. <laughs> yes, And we so got perfect. to watch it live. I mean, just magical. Now, okay, R.I.P. So Bob I Ross, I by the way. I can only, like, picture Kevin Stefanski in a press conference now going, you know, guys, there's no mistakes only happy accidents <laughs> exactly There's, i found another really good quote from bob ross that i feel like kevin stefanski will say go out on a limb that's where the fruit is <laughs> <laughs> you know what i hope baker mayfield uses a bob ross quote you yeah, guys that is say that's more of a baker thing it's when you know we've made it <laughs> so okay before we get to the second half while we're still talking about baker because i heard this question brought up and i want to know your guys's opinion on it do you like that Baker is doing these pop culture references in the press conference? Because I think, you know, you talked about Baker's maturity. You know, he's not, you know, stepping on his own foot in the press conferences because he's done that in the past. Like he's, you know, made some co- like some of the comments that he's made about, say, Duke Johnson in the past in his in his media scrums were not great. You know, sometimes he sort of indicated that he didn't trust Freddie and he didn't trust Hugh and you know, there was a lot of immaturity in him on social media. And that is just he has grown up so mm-hmm. fast. But, you know, he still slips in these pop culture references. So do you like that he does that? Do you think they're funny? What are your opinions on them? I think what you have, you drafted Baker Mayfield. And he's always been exactly who you think he is. Like, he's he's very confident. He's He's boisterous. He's, you know, he has this emotion about him. And this is what you signed up for. So, like, he can grow and not, you know, don't read the comments. That's a great piece of advice for everyone. Just don't read the comments. But, you know, he's learned that. He's, he's processing it. But you still have Baker Mayfield. So the fact that he's doing these little things, whether it be rap lyrics or pop culture references, it's fine. This is what this is what he does. You know, this is the same guy who shotgunned that beer. Like, he just, <laughs> he is who he is. <laughs> and now we're getting the best of both Baker Mayfields. You're getting a, a, a really good, steady quarterback, and you still have that personality. So I hope he keeps doing this, and screw everyone who, who gets mad about it. Imagine being mad about that. <laughs> That's what makes you mad. So I, I agree. I love it when the star player, the face of the franchise, has a little bit of a personality. I absolutely love it. So I had no problem with it. I just, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it as well, because that's, you know, one of the things that I've loved. And I'll, I'll go back to like a hometown reference. And this is something that I've talked about with my friends back home all the time, that Alex Ovechkin and Sid Crosby were in the same draft class. And Alex Ovechkin went to the Capitals and Sid Crosby went to the Penguins. Um, and even though Sid won more Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh than Ovechkin has won in Washington, 
Like the one thing that I always appreciated is that Ovechkin has an incredible personality. He is so funny and so personable. And even though his English wasn't great when he first got to the Caps in 2006, you know, it was just the personality was there. Like Sid Crosby, like listening to him talk is like watching grass grow. And that's how I feel about, you know, it's how you kind of feel about Big Ben too. Like listening to him talk is like watching grass grow. So I just, I, I love it when the face of the franchise has a personality like that. It just, it makes it more fun for the fans. And I think it makes it more fun for the media too. Cause that's fun stuff to cover. Yes. Yeah. I feel like they're also trying to bait him a little bit when it comes to, you know, getting quotes. Obviously that's, a, that's their job. They're looking for that. Um, but I feel like they want him to, kind of slip up and say something that maybe he would have said a year ago or even his rookie year and I do feel like he is thinking before he speaks versus last year I think he did a little bit of just say what's what's ever on my mind I don't Mm -hmm. care um and I do feel like that's Kevin Stefanski rubbing off on him a bit and he's having fun in a way that isn't going to be portrayed in a bad light with these quotes and rap quotes and lyrics and and whatnot so um props to, to Baker he's playing really well and he's having fun while he's doing it you love to see that now, the yes. only one that I was a little iffy on was the Ron Swanson, even though Parks and Rec is one of my favorite shows. That one felt really forced. Like it felt it didn't feel as organic as the Dwight Schrute one did yesterday. So I was like, oh, I love it. But like that, that felt like you were trying too hard. But for the rest of them, they've been pretty seamless. I love it. All right. Let's Very talk fast. about should we talk about Zaddy? He's Zaddy. I mean, <gasps> Wait, let's, he, let's, <laughs> do you guys want to do the second half of the game first? Oh, yeah. I I was kind of going to go into that with Kevin Stefanski because I feel like they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Yeah, I just I I derailed you guys a little bit with my questions. But, you know, these are just things they've been on my mind. And, you know, they're, they're things that I wanted to talk with you guys about. Yes. So Kevin Stefanski clearly does not get brought up enough when it comes to coach of the year conversations. But man, after watching yesterday's game, does he deserve it? So just as a reminder... He started this job um, in a historically bad franchise who has had a pretty toxic culture. He also has went through a pandemic season. Uh, It has not been a season where they've had a normal offseason training camps, um, no preseason, and obviously kind of having to see things play out in real life time. Um, That's tough let alone being a rookie head coach to go through. And now he's sitting at nine and three. Um, He never complains. He's the same guy. He's even keeled. He doesn't say or do the wrong things. Um, He doesn't remind us who's driving the bus and calling the shots. He just shows up. He coaches, puts faith in his players. And this is the payoff, the nine and three record. Okay, so let's talk about it, you guys, because the first half was sensational. And we've talked about that a little bit, but we have to elaborate on exactly what we saw from Kevin Stefanski in that first half. And then I do want to talk about the second half because a lot of, from what I saw, fans were frustrated with how he he let his foot off the gas in the second half. So let's start with the first half. Britt, I'll start with you. I only, for the record, I only acknowledge the first half of this game. <laughs> so you and Meredith can talk about the second half all you want. I, I wasn't present. Mentally, I was somewhere else. <laughs> Um, so, but as far as Kevin Stefanski goes, so remember earlier in the week, ladies, when we, our group chat, our very lively group chat, by the way, I texted you guys and like out of nowhere, I just had like weird Browns questions that I need answered. So I texted you guys and I was like, guys, 
Do you think that Kevin Stefanski could outcoach Mike Vrabel? Like, do, do you think that's a possibility? And then, Bree, you responded. You're like, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> that's I so weird. Today. I was driving into work, and I was like, oh, gosh, a rookie head coach against Vrabel. Yes. Like, is this yes. going to give us a disadvantage? Right, because I remember watching the Titans last year in the playoffs. And, you know, as much as, again, I'm not, like, a huge Ohio State fan. So, like, to me, watching Mike Vrabel be so tricky and smart in the playoffs last year I was like ah, oh, I was kind of in awe on what he was able to do well he outsmarted so, Belichick a couple of he times he did he did and like that was just amazing and you know I, I I respected him for that but that's sort of where my fear came from I'm like oh my god like we have Kevin Stefanski who you know we obviously love and this was our guy but is he going to be you know, is he going to be tricky enough to win this? Is he going to be smart enough to go out there? And my God, my God, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Even for us, and our standard for him is, like, very high because, I mean, we've, since day one, we've been there, like, yeah, Zaddy, Stefanski, that's our guy. I was blown away by how it it was just perfection. Bob Ross. It was. And can you imagine if they if they didn't take their foot off the gas and they just kept doing that? They would have scored like 80 points. I mean, it almost had to happen the way that it did. Yeah. Because that would have been too much. Just too much for all of us. Um, But yeah, like I just, uh, there was so much that went right the trick plays. We need to talk <laughs> about the trick plays. Oh, my God. Because those so are always, you know, a little bit risky. But when they pay off, they are the most beautiful things. They bring tears to my eyes. When, when, uh, what's his name? Kendall Lamb. Lamb. When he, when he caught that, I was like, how do you even think of something like that? <laughs> Can I ask and you guys I a watched- question about that? I, so I think it was one of our earlier shows because Kevin Stavansky had a couple of trick plays he pulled out for the Dallas game. And I remember asking you guys, like, are these trick plays or is this just part of his playbook? Like, is that just like the Kevin Stefanski offense? I, I think it's part of, I honestly think it's part of the playbook because he has done it so many times and it has worked. And if, and a few of the players after the game even said that they have been running those plays since training camp. Like when OBJ threw a long reception and when Jarvis threw a long reception in the first half of the season, like they both talked about how they've been bugging Stefanski to run those banana plays. Like that was just, that's something that they knew was in the bag and they wanted to do it. So I just think that's, I just think that's Stefanski. I think that is his playbook. We are so lucky. Yes. Like how blessed are we that this guy thinks of this stuff? So let's go back to the Vrabel and Stefanski comparison. Cause when you, Mm -hmm. cause it was, you know, the, the tale of two halves. So, you know, first half of the game, it was a Browns domination. The second half of the game, the Titans made a statement and had had a possibility of coming back and winning. But in the first half, Rabel was like losing his cool on every single mm-hmm. play. He was getting mad when the defense couldn't stop Baker. He was getting mad when his offense got stopped. Like he just he was not calm on the sidelines. And then in the second half, when the Browns were really struggling to stop the Titans, like same Kevin Stefanski, no different than in the first yes. half like it was just like it was flat line the whole time and not in a bad way love it i love Brittany. you wrote in a rundown mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Kevin Stefanski was playing chess to Mike Vrabel's tiddlywinks in the first time. <laughs> I forgot I did that. <laughs> tiddlywinks. People were like, checkers. I was like, no, no, no. He was playing. It, it was chess to tiddlywinks that first half. Yo, tiddlywinks is a close. hard game, though. That one's really I don't even hard. know what tiddlywinks <laughs> is. It's just a funny word, tiddlywinks. <laughs> I'm a big fan of chess after watching the Queen's Gambit. So I like I now am like a professional chess expert. So I will use chess references from here on out because of the Queen's Gambit, by the way. Yes. But like, OK, so today I was taking all my Kevin Stefanski victory laps, of course. Yes. Which I only did one other time was when they played Dallas, because, again, they looked very good for that first half. Um, and I was thinking, Meredith, you tweeted something. And my response was identity and alignment. Yes. So when we preached about Kevin Stefanski and why we bought into him immediately, this was why. Because what we're seeing now and what we've been seeing the entire season is identity and alignment. And I those aren't just like buzzwords that you, you <laughs> use when talking about analytics and nerds and stuff. Like this is a real thing. And having someone at the top who is on the same page with another person at the top who's on the same page with the coach and there's never a power struggle, this makes all the difference. You see a different quarterback this year. And, you know, not just talking about on the field, but we talked about his growth and his, you know, maturity going. It's because of this. This is what we've been saying for a year now. I saw some people today that were like, you know, whispers, Oh, can you imagine if we had Kevin Stefanski last year? That wouldn't have worked as long as John Dorsey yeah, was there. Absolutely that not, simply yeah. would not have, that would have been a disaster. We would have been in the same position. Not as bad because obviously Kevin is way smarter than Freddie Kitchens, but like it, it the power struggle still would have been there and they would have, that was a, a, a major, major thing that they had to get over in order to get where they are now. And <laughs> I'd hate to say this, guys, but we were right all along. Sure were. And okay, so here's I love a lot of things about Kevin Stefanski. But what I love the most about him is he gives zero fucks. (laughs) He has a number one rushing offense in the entire National Football League. And he said, "Eh, we're going to beat this team by passing the ball. Like, what balls does he have? I mean, he doesn't talk, but he has the biggest balls out of anyone. Based on that alone. I'm sorry. I said the F word. I don't say the F word a lot. But I did. Kevin Stefanski. I'm This was worth it, okay? Things are weird. I'm weird. Um but yeah, his game plan yesterday was just pure beauty. He eliminated Derrick Henry in the first quarter of the game. It was over. That is a genius at work. Yes. And the fact that, like, you know, his scheme, you know, we, we've got two big, good, elite, one elite, one really good running back. And, you know, he loves to use them. You know, he loves tight ends. Got a, a fullback in there. And he's like, you know, let's throw it to the, the lineman for a touchdown. And it's just like, okay, like, I, I don't even know. We talk about identity. It's everything. Yes. Everything. Everyone is important to this team. It's all about the details with him, which I love. We talked about it with Baker Mayfield. His attention to detail has gotten so much better than last year. And those little small things have paid dividends in this offense. Do you guys remember last year how many times the Browns were penalized for illegal shifts? 
Oh my God. Yes. A million. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. One million. Oh, I don't think we've been called for that. Maybe once, maybe once this season have we been called for that. And then the other thing, the team is playing for each other. Everybody knows their role and they're fine with that. They they truly do seem to embody there's no I in team. And I don't know if you guys noticed today on Twitter, but a lot of the players were posting a Kobe Bryant clip on Twitter that essentially was Kobe Bryant after winning and going up 2-0 and, and in a final series. And the clip was essentially Kobe not being satisfied. I just feel like it goes to show you that this team is bought into the system. And this is coming from a team that truly was in turmoil and unhappy almost all of last year. Like he did this in less than 12 games because they were bought in at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. This is what leaders do, guys. That reminds, this is it. That reminds me of a quote on Kyle Shanahan, and I forget who said it, but when Shanahan went to the 49ers, they were kind of in shambles as well. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he was brought in, and uh, I forget who said it. I want to say it was a former player, but but he said very specifically that Kyle Shanahan turned around the culture of the 49ers almost overnight. He said that like the moment that Shanahan walked into the building, it was it was different. And I think that's what Kevin Stefanski has done with the Browns. And I think Kevin Stefanski has proven that it doesn't take 20 years to rebuild. Yes. When you yes. have the, when you have the right guy and the right personnel and just everyone around you buying in. And I think that I think that might be one of the biggest factors for the Browns right now is just this complete 180 on the culture. And it started from the top. It starts with uh, Paul D. Podesta. We're gonna, I want to give him credit because he wanted Kevin Stefanski originally. He has always been a believer in Andrew Barry, and he finally got his way, and look what happened. Love it. He could not love it more. I, I, I mean, same. I, I was so beside myself last night. I was doing cheerleader jumps in my room at like 10 30 at night and i did send a video yes. to the to the group text of that actually happening you just so I, my favorite part is how you just disappeared under the bed <laughs> like you were, just, you were there and then you were just gone you, you, never to be seen again you might need to post that on social media please so i i was like yelling at him i was like i am so happy right now you need to record this moment so that my children one day will see how happy the browns made me they may never see it again i don't know That's um amazing ugh. okay so meredith is there anything else you would like to add about zaddy um, should I go back to our podcast from January 7th? Absolutely. I Okay, so I went back and I listened to the pod that we did on January 7th, and that was the one where we evaluated coaching talent. And at the time that we recorded that podcast, the Browns were the only team that had a head coaching position available because uh, <laughs> Washington had filled theirs, Carolina had filled theirs, and then there was one other team – uh, the Giants? The G- Giants or the Jets? Something like So one of those teams, everyone had filled except for the Browns. And so we were all sitting there saying, if the Browns know who they want, why haven't they gone to get him yet? So we went through the pros and cons of the top three candidates, which were Josh McDaniels, 
Kevin Stefanski and Robert Salah. And <laughs> there were moments and I just I listened to it and I was like, you guys, we are so smart. We're right about everything. But I want to do the moments that really stuck out to me in this podcast because they were all poignant moments where we were just so on the nose. So for Brie, her moment was where she said, I like the idea of what Kevin Stefanski can do if he has the right staff around him. So it was one of those where you were looking at it like, okay, it is a rookie head coach. He's going to need a lot of help. The staff is going to make a difference. And that's exactly what happened. Kevin Stefanski brought in the right staff around him and it has made all the difference. Brittany's moment was she talked about alignment in that episode. Like you tweeted about it today. You talked about it almost a year ago where you thought that Kevin Stefanski would be, would be bringing alignment in there. Uh, and you also pointed out, <laughs> and I love this part. So you're pointing out all of the McDaniels bros and how obsessed they were with Josh McDaniels. And you said very specifically that the people who want McDaniels are so attached to the idea of Josh McDaniels that if the Browns don't hire them, they're going to be heartbroken. And again, hashtag Mollus was right. Hashtag (laughs) Breezy was right. Like it was just, like it was all laid out there. And then another thing that Brittany said that I just absolutely loved was that because of that, you needed to look at the positives for every candidate and how every candidate was going to fit in with the Browns. And that's exactly what we did. Like, Mm-hmm. There were cons for every coach, of course, like for Kevin sure. Stefanski, it was a rookie head coach and we were just coming off of Freddie Kitchens. So the idea of a rookie head coach was making everyone nervous, understandably. So that was Kevin Stefanski's biggest con, but obviously that he's he's overcome that. For me, the biggest con for Josh McDaniels is that he comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree and there just hasn't been a coach who has broken off from that coaching tree and has been successful. Like Matt Patricia got fired like two weeks ago. He was running the lions into the ground. Like the lions were absolute trash under Matt Patricia. And I even heard from the media up there that they all hated him. So it's just not good. Like Mike Vrabel played under Bill Belichick. He did not Mm -hmm. coach under Bill Belichick. So that was, that was the con for me for Josh McDaniels. And you guys were right. I went back. I I looked at the tape. I checked the receipts. We were all right. You watched the tape. I watched Love the it. Tape. I I came with receipts. Well, okay. So going off of that, because we are level-headed and fair. That's what we do. It's not even just about being right. It's just about laying out the facts and yes. and we talk about them. So I have to ask you guys. We've been honest this entire season with Kevin Stefanski. Of course, we always support him. We've been honest with Baker, and of course, we still support him. They they definitely have their fair share of criticism. And I think yesterday with Kevin Stefanski, the second half was a big topic of conversation in in the fan base perspective. Um, now, Brittany, you said you were you were already not worried about it. You, you didn't have you, you weren't really paying attention because you weren't worried about it. Um, Meredith, I'm curious to get your perspective on that as well. But Brittany, I'll start with you. Did you really feel like after that first half that it was it was done like put a fork in them they were done they weren't going to come back from that yes and let me explain something because i i noticed tonight that when i was watching the steelers and the washington football team play i had a dennis green meme ready to go and i've just been sitting on it all year <laughs> just waiting 
to tweet it about the Steelers because they are who we thought they were, and I knew it, and I was just sitting on it. So I tweeted that I was going to do this, and I would not do it until the clock was at zero. On the flip side, I with there was probably like, I don't know, three minutes left at least in the game yesterday, and I was tweeting the 9-3 and three Cleveland Browns. And it's because... I trust Kevin Stefanski. I'm like, no, this is going to work out. It doesn't, nothing mattered. Like the, the, what I saw in the first half was total domination. Okay. What we saw in the second half was, yeah, Vrabel made adjustments. They were chipping away at the lead, but it, it never, it never felt like they were, the Browns were being dominated by the Titans yesterday. That was never, that's never the sense that I got. And, you know, I think one of the, I, Guys, <laughs> when I say I, I paid attention, okay, I, I watched everything. But, you know, I just, there's a, a, a feeling that I just naturally get with, with this team now where I don't worry about it. I think it says a lot that Kevin Stefanski's worst game coaching the Browns was the first game. His best game was the last game. So if you just look at that, like that's that's growth right there. The first game was the worst. Coming off the last game, that's his best game that he's coached. And I don't care about the second half. I'm not worried about that. I never at any point was, was nervous or thought to myself, hey, they could blow this. That just never crossed my mind. Yeah, I I was a little nervous, I'll be honest, just because it, it was giving me Dallas vibes a little bit. Um, and it felt like Tennessee could have been just as capable as the Cowboys were coming back in the second half. Um, But then on the flip side, I felt like we were able to do whatever we wanted on offense. So that gave me a lot of hope that even if they were to come back, the Browns, I mean, they were almost perfect in their offense in the first half that just pull that back out and, and it's over. Um, So I, I was nervous, but like, I think that's just me being, ruined as a Browns fan just because we found so many ways to lose the game but this year has been so different that I need to just snap out of that because the team has proven time and time again that they can win these games they have a very smart coaching staff whereas before that had not been the case coaching were ways to lose the game you know it wasn't just about the players it was coaching decisions Um, So that gives me a lot of confidence moving forward. Um, And yeah, I wanted to see the Browns score 80 points and just put them away. But I also understand like that's not smart. You're not going to continue throwing the ball aggressively and and give the opportunity for turnovers to happen Um, because momentum swings. They can change at a at a dot at the drop of a dime and really swing things not in the Browns favor. Um, But Man, it just I literally felt like we were in a fairy tale in the first half. Like it was yeah, really. I mean, I I legit was just floating. Yes. And like I I think one of the things that, you know, the first half was great, but then you had to remember and I I said this too. I said the Browns defense was not going to hold that the entire game. Yes. Like you're not going to contain they did a very good job at containing Derrick Henry to I think probably the most he's been held all year. But like you know, if you just look at the size of the Tennessee Titans and then you look at our, like, banged-up secondary, it's kind of, 
You know, and you're just like, this isn't going to hold up. So, yeah, the offense had to score a lot of points. Tennessee is a good team. Tennessee has a good coach. Tennessee has really good players. So <laughs> it was bound to happen. It was going to catch up with them. I anticipated it. I was like, all right, they're going to, you know, chip away, chip away. They did. But at no point was I like, oh, God, we're going to blow this. My hands weren't sweating. Like, I was fine. I was just relaxing, poured myself a drink at halftime, good to go. Buckle up, whatever's going to happen. I don't care. And then I was tweeting like three minutes left in the game. Oh, nine and three. And everyone yelled at me, but whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I was kind of drunk at that point. Anyway. <laughs> I, was, I was still nervous just because anything can happen. I know the, t- the Titans have had moments where they were able to recover an onside kick. Uh, I think it was actually last week uh, they recovered an onside kick. And the Browns had to defend against two of them. So the fact that the Titans were put in a situation where they were able to kick to do two onside kicks like i was i was definitely nervous um i think i was the only person around me that was but i was also in a really bad headspace yesterday so i think that had a lot to do with it i think if i was in a better place mentally then uh, i wouldn't have been as nervous but um but yeah i mean i I didn't want to say anything until the clock hit zero, but that's just me and my nerves. Because I I am such a jinx sometimes. And that's why I chose Derrick Henry as my captain for our fantasy showdown. Because I was like, I am going to choose Oh, you him. jinxed him. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did it very, like, I did that very specifically. Like, my fantasy lineup for our weekly contest, it was Derrick Henry was the captain, and then the rest of it was Browns. Like, <laughs> That's what it was. So I was like, if Derrick Henry has a good game, I'll win money. If he doesn't have a good game, then the Browns win. So it's, it's a win-win for me. There you go. So I think that was for me because I always feel like I have a jinx attached to me. That's why I don't do it personally. But that's just me. I'm I'm very superstitious. So, Well, the Titans got some garbage touchdowns as well at the end of the game and I do I I don't want that to discredit the defense because the defense did what they needed to do Um, and they deserve credit and so does Joe Woods and we have been very very hard on this defense the entire season Um, and we can be mad at them for letting them go right down the field at the beginning of the third quarter and score a touchdown on like three plays we can be mad about that Um, but the offense didn't really help the defense out in the second half obviously they were they knew that they had a big enough lead that they didn't want to take the risks at that moment in time so the defense was on the field for a long time in the second half but let's focus on the positives because that's what we do yes the defense forced three turnovers against a team that has not turned the ball over what they had five turnovers and i forget how many number of games it's like a ridiculously long number of games yes one of the lowest in the league um they also held them to two for ten on third downs Mm -hmm. we talked about this earlier but they they eliminated derrick henry from being a factor um that's just amazing and that man is a beast well yeah and that was one of my biggest concerns literally leading up to this game i was like who can tackle derrick henry they're like we just don't have the physicality matched for this Titans team. And oh, I'll tell you who can tackle Derrick Henry. You tell His me. His name is Mac Wilson. Oh, guys. Mac Wilson is so hyped Mac for himself. Attack. <laughs> hey, no, he was hyped for Baker today on Twitter. Did, I sent you guys the tweet uh, that uh, that video of Baker literally spinning and sliding into the end zone to be oh, the popper. That was amazing. For, yes. for Hollywood Higgins. And then he rewrote, was it? Oh, no, maybe it was Hollywood who tweeted that out, but he said, uh, 
ladies, if your man doesn't do this for you for Instagram, he's not your man or something like that. Like, yes. I loved it. I loved it. Was it Hollywood or was it Mac that tweeted that? I think it was Hollywood. It was Hollywood. Oh, okay. But yes. Mac was in his own little world today and he was the center of it, by the way. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. It's like he was hyping himself up with his own like, yes, tweets like of his healthy, play. This is what a healthy Mac Wilson looks like. And he's like showing videos. But in his defense, it was a very good tackle. It was uh, and talkie talkie help. Yes, it was talkie great to have talkie. Yeah, talkie talkie back from the COVID reserve list as well because that's what you needed. You needed some guys that could just match the physicality, and both of them stepped up. And this is the second yeah. game in a row, you guys that. Sindejo had a pretty good game. He almost had a pick. He, he almost had a pick. I was <laughs> I was so I was so upset for him because Me too. I mean, everyone has been trashing Sindejo all season. And in some cases they're justified because he has not been he has not been doing well. And in his defense, he was he probably expected that he was going to ride the bench for eleven million dollars this year. But that's it. You know, then he gets put into the game, and then you're like, oh, this is this is not good. But he he has stepped up and he has improved, yes. and I think we should give him credit for that. And then I was I was so upset that he that pick would have been such redemption for him this season. Oh my gosh! And it would have he just... needs at least one this yes. season before no. it's over because oh my gosh, I will cry for him. <laughs> They will. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- I think this just goes again to show you how much coaching matters. And Joe Woods has done a really good job managing a team that has been just ravaged with injuries and people being out because of COVID. He has done a great job of getting guys ready and stepping up and matching up against the teams they're playing against. And again, we're seeing guys that have had pretty rough games start to improve. And again, we're 12 games in. Why not improve now? Keep going. Okay, so I have a theory, you guys, and I want to get your opinion and take on this. Mm -hmm. Miles Garrett returned for his first game after missing two weeks because of COVID, which also, I had COVID back in March, and I told you, I could like barely walk down the stairs without being out of breath. And and this man played a football game well. Mm -hmm. He played a football game well. Um, He also does not get the benefit of the doubt on any penalties against the linemen that are defending Miles. Benefit of the doubt. Someone literally, and I tweeted, I know, grabbed him by the face mask and pulled him there. Because initially I looked at that and I was like, oh, that's a holding. And he wasn't going to get it. And then when I saw the replay of it later, he was was blatant. He was being dragged down by his face mask. Like I can understand a ref ignoring a holding call because from what i've heard everyone holds on every call anyway like that's just it's something that they do some people i've heard that some coaches will actually coach their defensemen to hold on every single call because the refs aren't going to catch it every single time but to let a face mask like that just awful 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 that was terrible like whatever ref was responsible for letting that go like he should get fined or i I don't want to say fired but definitely fined because that was just that made me mad. I'm still mad about it. That's like the one thing in the game that I'm like really, really furious about. Yeah. So, and and it was going around Twitter, that specific play at the end of the game, um, which would have had huge implications because I think they ended up scoring on that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miles Garrett even, I think, retweeted the video himself. But we talked about this last week, Meredith, on the podcast about it just seems like the refs 
don't do anything that favor the Browns ever. And this is another factor of that. But I have to ask you guys, is Miles not getting these calls because of the incident from last year? Is that even something that crosses the ref's mind? Conspiracy time. I know. Put your foil hat on. I don't know if that specific incident necessarily crosses their mind, but I definitely think that there is implicit bias. Um, And are you guys going to get mad at me if I use another hockey reference? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I... No, use it. You're fine. So, okay. So Tom Wilson with the Washington Capitals, he has he has laid out some dirty hits. I will admit that. But he's also very good at what he does. And it gets to the point where he gets called for clean hits. He gets put in the penalty box for clean hits. And he has gotten fined for clean hits. And, and it is the we Capitals fans have called them the Tom Wilson penalties. Like any other defenseman in the league would have not gotten that call but because the refs have this implicit bias because they think that tom wilson is a dirty player they're going to call everything and so i think that there's that same implicit bias with miles garrett because of that one incident like in their like they have it burned into their minds that miles garrett is a dirty player when he's he's not he's not a dirty player he's not a dirty person like he is just you know he is the sweetest like he like plays with anime and dinosaurs like come on so i just right i don't know if they're thinking about that incident specifically but i do think that they subconsciously believe that he is a dirty player and that's why they're not calling a lot of these holds on him and especially that face mask yeah it's... I think they feel like they just need to level the playing field for everyone else. That's <laughs> annoying. So good. I mean, he still that, got... You know what? They're just going to let things slide because it's really not fair to have a monster of a man out there who's just so smart and fast and strong. And you know what? I'd say I don't blame him, but I do. I hate that they do this to him. Me too. I mean, he still got, what, two sacks yesterday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I think at that point, I think the refs get annoyed. They're like, we don't like that he's good, so we're going to let these linemen yes. grab him we by the face mask and them, bury him. Yeah, let's let them quadruple team him and not do anything. It's fine. And you know what, Miles, st- he's still a very productive player, even when he's being yes. double, triple team the whole game. That's the frustrating so, part, is that he yes. has to work like 10 times harder than anyone else to do the work well, that he's doing God, because he's, he's getting held every single time. Yes. It's ridiculous. He's 10 times stronger, though, guys. So That's right. if anyone could do this, it's Miles, and we will never give up on him. That's that true. is right. I, like this, I All three of us, I think I, I can comfortably say that we will be 1,000% Miles stands for the rest of time forever for the rest of our lives yes for the no rest doubt. of the existence of this timeline we will be staying with miles garrett <laughs> all right so we have two fun segments to close out the show oh yeah um, i've been waiting for this okay guys so the ravens we know right now their record is six and five six and five right is that right yeah yes, yes. wow i said it out loud it doesn't even sound right <laughs> The Browns obviously won yesterday to take the record to nine and three. So they've got a pretty good lead against the Ravens and the Ravens are in third place. The Browns are in second. Ravens fans do not know what to do with themselves, um, particularly the Reddit world. <laughs> Reddit is a special place. It really is, you guys. And and I, 
I I do frequent the Browns Reddit boards as well. There's a lot of really fun, entertaining people on there. I don't really participate. I just go and observe. And so, do you ever comment on things? No, 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 because I have the same handle as my Twitter account, so everyone will know who I am. They probably don't want me there. I'm not welcome there. <laughs> oh, I have my my burner is like a secret name. Nobody knows my Reddit name. I might have to make a burner. It's it's honestly a very secret world Reddit. It's weird, you know, because there's no pictures. Um, everyone, it's just a name, but I love it. So anyway, every NFL team pretty much has a Reddit board. So last night. After my celebration, I decided to get on the Ravens Reddit just to see what their take would be of the Browns win and their record. And we're obviously embarking on our first winning season in 13 years and a potential playoff run in over 18 years. So, of course, they can't handle this. No. And I screenshotted a couple of conversations that were happening in the board, and it just made me laugh. Because I, I literally was like, is this real life? Is this actually like what Ravens fans are thinking right now? So I'm going to start with this one. Browns just ascended to a level beyond. Wow. That's the post, you guys. That's not me. <laughs> so the entire thread was about how, I mean, just the entire thread was about how Baker Mayfield has players to throw to. Lamar doesn't have any players to throw to. Um, the Browns' fourth wide receiver would be the Ravens' number one starting wide receiver, just FYI. So they clearly have no value in any of their receivers on the team. Jesus. Yeah, they are just, they are, they are imploding. Um, so this is the other good one here. Oh, boy. Let me get to it, you guys. Is it the one that I screenshot or is it a different one? Well, yeah, read that. The one that you screenshotted. Oh, yeah. There's obviously something wrong with our drafting because no team should be this unbalanced. What? <laughs> you guys you guys went to the AFC championship game last year and you had a, a unanimous MVP. Oh, my quarterback. God. Oh, yes. So this is the one that I screenshot because I saw it and I spent five straight minutes laughing at it. But uh, uh, crazy to think how in 2018 the Browns had the chance to end our season. And in 2020, they have another chance to end our season. When does this pain end? <laughs> right you guys have been in such pain my goodness i feel so bad i couldn't and then oh my god and then the replies so he goes when does the pain end oh my end? gosh and they're pathetic the replies it doesn't it's the afc no uh, oh my god. try to walk a mile in our shoes for one day people have you ever have you ever visited cincinnati's board do they have one i haven't i'm gonna have to hop on there. i'm gonna have to hop on the steelers board tonight that'll be like hours of entertainment Oh I want to see what Cincinnati's looks like. Oh yeah, well, because that can't be a good time. Oh my god, no, it, I feel and I I feel bad for them because Burrow just got, oh he got he just he got yeah. screwed this year. I I really really hope I hope that Burrow can pull in Alex Smith and come back from a horrific injury and just be great. Because, yeah, but that locker room is I mean they're a disaster. Like what is happening? That like there's no leadership or discipline or I, I don't know. They are they are. I don't know. They're just like fighting with everyone. Yeah. So our friend of our show, and we've had him on the pod before, James Rapine, who covers the Bengals. He's been writing about it. And just the headlines from his articles throughout the season have gone from 
like hopeful to doom and gloom like i think one of the most <laughs> recent ones was something about like the zach taylor experiment is over or something like that like and james is a very level-headed person you know he is he's born and raised in cincinnati he is a been a, a Bengals fan his entire life so he's lucky to be a fan of the team that he gets to cover for a living but man some of his headlines are just like he just it, it is it is implosion it absolutely is yeah and we are hopefully going to be previewing our game against the Ravens so we'll find out if if this is indeed what the fan base is actually thinking but I, I will close with this one before we move on to the next segment as much as I hate to admit this, the Browns are a damn good team. Wait for it, guys. Their coach was holding them back. Stefanski is legit a good offensive coach, and that's why they look so deadly. We need a guy like him who can design an offense around Lamar and adapt okay, to the wait league. wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> even the Ravens fans want Stefanski. Our own Browns fans don't even want Stefanski. <laughs> Can we, is there, can we call it, so it's Stefanski Envy, so can we call it Stefans, oh no, it's not going to work. I was going to try and combine those two words. There's like, a way to make that work. I'm just too tired to think of it. Stefanski. <laughs> and then. Also, shut up, Ravens fans. You have Greg Roman, who was literally brought there for this purpose. Yes, so even, and then someone else responded kind of on the same note. They have greatly improved since we played them. They have gelled with Stefanski's offense, which has been built to optimize the strengths of the personnel that they have. Meanwhile, in the Ravens offensive coordinator office, dot, 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 we're going to have to be mistake free next week in order to get by. Guys, guys, Whoa, we they are in. They are panicked. This is they so are shook. This is shook. <laughs> the six and five Ravens are shook. I am loving every minute of this. And by the way, I do not condone trolling on Reddit. It's actually you will get kicked off the board. I don't know what the rules are, but I do know that you can't go onto the boards and just troll people. Yeah. Um, fans visit other fans pages from time to time. And it's people are nice. It's not like Twitter where people attack everyone. Speaking of which, <laughs> that takes us into our next segment. Great Welcome segment. to our last segment. So we're going to do this segment every week. It's called, um, was it, what did I decide to call it? Revenge of the, no, is, yeah, is that it? Revenge of the Dales? No, I, I, we had one, I called it Dales, Dales from the Crypt, like a few All right, Dales from ago. the Crypt. That's, that works. It, you know, whatever you want to call them. They're not that important. <laughs> um, so this week's Dales from the Crypt and I got into it a little bit, but I just want to finish my point here. Um, we're going to call them Clockdales. So they're the ones who, when I want to, first of all, this is America, okay? <laughs> I can celebrate whenever I want. If I decide that something's over at halftime, to me, it's over at halftime. And the, the tweets about, you have to wait until 0, 0.00 is on the clock. Bitch, no, I don't. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. And if I decide the game's over, it's over. This is my Twitter. I'm, I don't know if There's you guys have noticed, but I've been more obnoxious right. than usual. And, you know, I'm having this, I've been locked in the house now for a week. I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. I just work. So I'm a little bit sassier than usual. And that's fine. There, There's some people who, who like sassy me a little bit more. But, you know, I have faith in this team. I have all the confidence in Baker. I have all the confidence in Stefanski, Nick Chubb. I can keep going and going and going. 
But this isn't the Browns of the, of the past. So all you people with the PTSD, that's a you problem. I'm not living in that world anymore. I'm not, this isn't Freddie Kitchens. This isn't Hugh Jackson. This is a new regime. This is a new culture. And this culture wants to win, guys. So if I want to celebrate when there's, you know, 10 minutes left on the clock, that's exactly what the hell I'm going <laughs> to do. And I don't, I'm making no apologies. So sorry, Dale. Don't at me with this stuff. I'm done. I'm over you. So I had I had a little bit of a theory about that, too, because I was thinking about it a lot today. And I am just I'm absolutely convinced uh, that the Dales just they a Brittany don't want you to be right. And B, they oh, ever and they don't want you ever. to be happy. And so they get so mad when you're both. And so I just my theory on, on these clock Dales is that if you had gone the opposite route and said hey guys don't celebrate until the clock hits zero like if you were tweeting that then those same deals would have been in your mentions being like oh man the bros like how could you not have faith in the browns come on man nine and three like that's what it would have been yeah i thought you liked the thing <laughs> exactly that's exactly what it would have been so it literally doesn't matter what you tweet they're gonna come at you with the opposite because they're just they're so unsatisfied in their real life that they have to come after random women on twitter this one time oh my god actually i have two stories real quick so this one time I tweeted about um, Hulu was Hulu was teaming up with Spotify to give people, you know, I don't I think it was like $10 a month or something, something like really low where you can get both of them. Like, and I was like, oh, this is really cool because I use Spotify and Hulu probably more than anything. So I was like, oh, this is a good deal. I have to tell people about it. So I tweeted about it. I tweeted a link where people could sign up and I'm just like, hey guys, like, could save you some money some guy attacked me like violently he's like see this is all you do you just go on twitter and you pander to people i was like dude i'm just trying to save some people some money but he was so mad because i tweeted about you know this deal that hulu was doing you just get on here and you pander and you all your useless you know i'm like wow dude this is what you're mad about so that's and another thing that I was thinking of over the past week was, you know, obviously I get attacked a lot and a lot of names and, you know, some of them are real nasty, but guys, I remembered my favorite insult of all time. Would you like to hear it? Yes. And it just like yes. it'll randomly pop into my head probably like once every two weeks, where this okay this one time I tweeted about something stupid. I'm sure something sports related, and this man wrote underneath. And he called me the Polish tart from the West Side. Didn't someone also call Kevin Stefanski that? I don't know. This was something that somebody called me for. First of all, I don't even live on the West Side. The West Side of what? Like, I'm all the way. I cannot be more east in Ohio than I am. Does Youngstown have an east and a West Side? Yes, but, like, I'm not even there. I'm in, like, some podunk town above Youngstown. And he's like, the the Polish... How did you even know I was Polish, you idiot? Like, why are you so weird? I don't even... Like, my name doesn't even sound Polish. Mollus? That's not a Polish name. I mean, I am, but it was weird that this person knew that. But yeah, the Polish tart from the West Side. That's my favorite insult ever. I'm not challenging people to top it because you can't. And please don't. <laughs> I was going to say. Alone. Oh, Let no. Happy. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. What a fun show, you guys. Good stuff. Fun, fun show. I cannot wait to see how this week plays out. But 
Um, a few reminders before we sign off for the evening. We are going to be releasing a special preview episode this week with our matchup against the Ravens next Monday night. We will be looking forward to that. That'll be released soon. Um, again, we hope that you guys continue to listen to us on our new venture with Fansided. Don't forget to go follow them on Twitter at Fansided. Read their content. Let us know what you think. Um, as always, please leave us some reviews. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, or Stitcher. As always, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk next week. Go Browns! Go Browns!